is Katie Zapanta. And this is Christina Pullen. And we're here to introduce episode two of our podcast, Tartans Watch the Watchmen. The title of our podcast comes from a line in the Watchmen comic, who will watch the Watchmen? Our answer, Tartans will watch the Watchmen. The creator of the original Watchmen comic, Alan Moore, said that this question is part of the overarching theme of the Watchmen series, which is, what are the effects of power upon society? Today, our episode is about the power of American identity and the relationship between Watchmen 2019 and Rogers and Hammerstein musical, Oklahoma from the 1940s. Oklahoma is a pretty corny musical, but is also one of the most successful Broadway musicals of the 20th century. It premiered on Broadway in 1943 and ran for more than 2000 performances, which was a lot for mid-century America. It was made into a film in 1955 and it is still popular today. It was recently revived on Broadway in 2019 with a racially diverse cast. Let's introduce today's podcasters. Podcaster number one is Legera Edmonds Allen, a sophomore dramaturgy major. Legera took this class because they were a huge fan of the Watchmen comics that were published in the 1980s. Joni Majera is Elizabeth Van Buskirk. Elizabeth is a senior creative writing and technical writing major. She wanted to take this class because the other film and media courses she had taken were mostly focused on film, and she was curious about a class on a television show. In what follows, Elizabeth and Legere have a really interesting discussion about why HBO's Watchmen uses so many Oklahoma references. The show contains an all-Black musical version of Oklahoma, the song, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, and the actor Don Johnson's character is named Judd, which is the name of the villain in Oklahoma. It is also worth mentioning what we learned from episode one of our podcast. From Kirabel Aklilu, we learned that Watchmen showrunner Damon Lindelof decided to feature the Tulsa 1921 massacre, in which up to 300 African Americans were killed, and that he may have decided to link Watchmen to the musical version of Oklahoma after making this choice. Here is a quick recap of the plot of Oklahoma. It takes place in 1906, just before Oklahoma becomes a state. It's about a farm girl named Lori and the two men who compete for her affections. Her true love interest is a cowboy named Curly, who's a very likable and charming man. And she's also pursued by Judd Fry, a farmhand who works for her. And he's a very sinister presence. On the day in which most of the action takes place, Lori has promised to go to a dance with Judd, despite her fear of him, because Curly has taken too long to ask her. And then on the way to the dance, Judd tries to assault her, but she gets away. Later, Curly proposes to her, and a few days later, they get married. This pushes Judd over the edge. At the climax of the story, he attacks the couple, and the fight ends when Judd falls on his own knife and dies. Curly and Lori and the new state of Oklahoma live happily ever after. At least it had a happy ending. Let's hear what Elizabeth and Legera have to say about all this. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the next installation of our Watchmen podcast. We are students from Carnegie Mellon University reacting to HBO's series adaptation of The Watchmen. Uh, I'd, I'd love to ask my, my, my lovely co-host to introduce themselves. Hello. 
Oh my goodness. Hi, I am Elizabeth Van Buskirk. I'm a senior, which means I'm really old. Um, and I'm studying creative writing and technical writing with a minor in film studies, which is a lot of a lot of English is the is the end of that. It's a lot of English. <laughs> uh, a lot of English and a lot of analysis. I guess. I feel like it should be good for this. <laughs> yes. And Maybe. my name is Legera Edmonds Allen. I am a dramaturgy major. I am a junior, sophomore. I'm in my second year. So I'm a baby. All right. So we're going to be talking about Oklahoma and how Watchmen uses it. Yeah. Do you want to give us a quick summary of Oklahoma? <laughs> Absolutely. So as a dramaturgy major, dramaturgy basically just means I'm a giant theater nerd and that I love TV shows and I love theater and I love movies and I love contextualizing it all. So Oklahoma, you may be familiar with the musical by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oklahoma is basically a love story set before Oklahoma becomes a state. Right now it's a, in the musical, it's a, actually a territory. What you may not know is that it is based off a play called Green Grove the Lilacs by Lynn Riggs. Um, and this story is a very white story. It's a very violent story. Um, and it premiered on Broadway in the 1940s uh, during and after World War II, which is interesting to me. Uh, I think it, it really perpetuates an, a, a white American propaganda as sort of this vehicle of like nationalism we're fighting the war we're doing it for our country that we love in this beautiful land uh, but there's a lot of complications with that story as I think the watchman kind of gets into you know something interesting is that we're talking about how white it is and it's written by you know two Jewish men uh yeah during like post-world war ii so that's like another interesting thing to keep in mind um, yeah. yeah. And the original playwright was uh, partially indigenous as well. I believe um, they were Cherokee, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It, it makes me wonder how both writers had to uh, distill their narrative and what they had to cut out in order to um, be acceptable and be popular in white America and on white Broadway. So, I mean, now we're going to talk about how Watchmen uses Oklahoma, like why even use Oklahoma? Yeah. Um, and I think it has to start with where, you know, Damon Lindelof started in Tulsa 21 as inspiration mm -hmm. for the series. Um, this is something that maybe not, not a lot of white people know about in America and this horrible massacre that happened in Oklahoma in a similar way as like this sanitized version of of America um, and so it's it's kind of this dichotomy between like oh we're, we're perfect but like there's all this stuff under the surface that we don't talk about and Watchmen is maybe trying to expel those things that we don't talk about um, yeah, I think, I think that's that's a great point. I think one of the most interesting things about how uh, uh, Watchmen uses Oklahoma is is the character of Judd Crawford. Yes. Oh my gosh, 
Yeah, because the first, very first episode, the first thing we see is this, I think is the Tulsa massacre, this horrible massacre. And then bam, we're watching a production of Oklahoma. And it's this all black cast on stage singing and dancing to Oklahoma, this white propaganda vehicle. And then we see this character who we are going to know is named Judd watching the show. And the first episode's title is literally from Oklahoma. Like it's so Oklahoma. It's like a, a piece of Oklahoma candy. And I'm like, why? Yes, I think that to understand Judd Crawford, we should maybe talk about Judd Fry, his namesake. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, in the, in the play, he's the villain. He's the main antagonist. Uh, he's this quiet, like farm hand working on the, protect like the sweet female protagonist farm um and he's this like dangerous like rugged figure uh he's in love with Lori Flora's niece and people are just scared of him everywhere mm -hmm. he goes um at the auction near the end for people who don't know there's this basket auction where you know they auction off baskets of different women and people donate money to the schoolhouse um to get these baskets and you know, they enjoy like a dinner together or lunch and he spends all of his money trying to get Lori's basket and everybody mm -hmm. in the town at every, at every like little bid tries to outbid him. And Curly, the protagonist, he ends up selling everything he owns basically that defines who he is just to make sure that Lori doesn't, doesn't have to spend a meal with Judd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is the he is the villain of the story. Like, I, I feel like it's very fair to say that he is the very clear, you know, this is the bad guy. But I feel like he should, if you turn a lot of the, the narrative, is he the bad guy? You know, is he? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, what's so interesting about The Watchmen uh, we're gonna we're gonna try and tiptoe around some spoilers, of course. Uh, but you know, we the first episode we meet this guy named Judd, and he's one of the police sergeants. He's the head of the police, and he's a good guy. But it's like he has this villain's name, and I think there's a very interesting interplay with our distrust of him as an audience based on, you know, if you know the name Judd from Oklahoma um, and how the story complicates that by saying, oh, I was in Oklahoma in high school and I played the hero. Like, I don't know. It's just a, such a funny look at the white man hero and how we immediately assume he's the main character and the main hero or something okay. like that. No, that's a totally good point and the I mean people listening to this probably have seen the show so <laughs> I think we can say like obviously yeah Spoiler. he is a white supremacist yeah <laughs> um yeah. we find a clan hood in his closet and I think that that first episode does this really good job of baiting us into thinking he's a good guy you know trusting yeah. him in the way that Angela trusts him and then yeah. you know just to pull the pull the plug and and realize oh no, this guy is horrible. And it, the episode does a really good job of hiding all those clues, I think. Yeah. Um, something that I realized recently is that it opens, like the, like the very first shot 
is of um, that old movie with with uh, the the all black you know uh, sheriff chasing after the oh or, yeah 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 you know what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. And, and oh my gosh let me look up the title of it really quick I can't remember the name of it but the dude's wearing the guy the man being chased is wearing a, like a white cowboy hat you know he's the sheriff of the town and he's getting chased by the marshal who's wearing like all black um Mm -hmm. and you know judd crawford wears a white hat (laughs) yeah like that's like one of his things like he wears this like really fancy like white cowboy hat um kind of creating this really direct comparison where he is the head of the police and he is in fact you know the one behind a lot of like horrible things happening um yeah you know what I mean (laughs) yeah no it's crazy all right I'm so sorry I and then like another thing that I thought was really interesting is how when he is standing in front of this projection of the seventh calvary like he's literally standing right in front of it when we're hearing you know their like little speech like tiktok tiktok etc um like he's the only one like facing the same direction that's like just a cute little (laughs) filmmaking technique that I think they did Um, foreshadow a little foreshadowing uh (laughs) and then another I I feel like I'm just rattling these off but like there's just so many in that first yes um keep them coming (laughs) something I didn't notice is that when he gets that call after the dinner and uh I believe the name is Charlie Sutton, uh, the the black cop who was shot at the beginning of the episode. He was woken up mm-hmm. in the hospital, and so Judd is called, and um, he he like puts on his uniform, and we we're watching him in the mirror, and behind him is his closet, and we know, you know, after having watched the series, that in that closet is a clan hood and, and yes. the cloak. So you know, there's this outward facade he's putting on, and the thing behind him that he's hiding. Uh, and then on his desk, right in front of us, like behind, like right in front of the mirror, is a picture of him and his, presumably, I think his grandfather, um, who I think he cites later on as being like, oh, this is, I mean, it's, it's like his, like it's his legacy. Um, I wow. can't get rid of that. And then I know yeah. I'm just like piling these on. <laughs> no, it's so good. He gets into the car, and at, at the, in the moment, I think. when I first watched it I was like oh he's listening to a conservative you know talk radio show just to like Mm -hmm. get into the mind of the enemy but like you know maybe he was just listening to it because he enjoys that (laughs) that's just like (laughs) his his thing my gosh there's so many little details there's so so much and I really think it it's such a testament to the the show creators these theatrical influences these theatrical touches he's literally wearing a costume you know he he has on the mask he has on the hat like um in trust in the law which you were referencing the story of bass reeves uh there we go yeah yeah it's it's just wild i think how um how front-loaded this this first very first episode is with all of these theatrical influences and these these um I guess these references that should feel nostalgic you know should feel like patriotic and like Oklahoma were America and it's so sinister it's so violent it's so racist 
It is. They really, I mean, wow, they really do a great job of taking these quote unquote all American elements and pointing them as touchstones of white supremacy. They do. And then, I mean, obviously, you know, he hangs himself uh, as per the hypnosis <laughs> of the yes. leaves, um, kind of turning the whole lynching thing on its head. <laughs> yeah, it's so, there's so much complication going on just in the character of Judd. And I don't know, do you want to, do you want to dive more into Judd? We should dive in more into Judd Crawford. I mean, I, there's so many connections that you can make between him and Judd Fry from Oklahoma, the play. Yeah. Um, I think the most obvious connection is that they both die and that's what the first episode's title is yeah. clearly alluding to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the way that Judd Crawford is hypnotized into hanging himself, like there's a song, obviously, Poor Judd is Dead. Uh, which is where the title comes from in the, uh, for the first episode, mm -hmm. uh, where Curly, the, our protagonist, tries convincing Judd Fry to hang himself. He's, he's saying like, oh, you know, if you were dead, you know, people would come to your grave and cry and, you know, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Like, we'd feel bad for you. Get, like, respect now. And, and during the song, Judd Fry starts to sing along. And I think that's the yeah. craziest because like Curly is clearly just telling him to kill himself just in this really weird roundabout way yeah and, and Judd just he's like yeah he sings along and it's so sad like when you think about it like that mm -hmm. um but you know in the end he falls on his own knife um effectively quote-unquote killing himself um yeah what that I love that you're bringing up that moment and I love that the Watchman uses that song in particular because that's the song where I'm like, Curly, you're supposed to be our hero and you're telling this guy to kill himself? You know, it makes me begin to wonder, is Judd really the bad guy? Is Curly really the hero? And I think that conversation is kind of, that, that, that interrogation is kind of continued in how the Watchmen approaches this legacy as well. Absolutely. I mean, I like to think about Judd Crawford as being like Judd Fry under the surface, but Curly like on the surface. Like his internal yeah. world is obviously like, oh, he's like the evil, you know, white supremacist. Uh, like who, we, we, he's a dangerous man on the, you know, edge of society. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's he's not like other people. He's a horrible person, but you know, on the surface, he's He's this guy singing to his family and to friends at dinner. <laughs> yeah. Know? He's a, he's a police chief. He's supposed to care about people. Um, yeah. But, you know, under the surface is something way more sinister. And I think, as we, you were saying, that's what Watchmen does really well with continuing the conversation. Absolutely. I, you know what? I, I know we're co-hosts and we're not supposed to disagree with each other. But I would love to challenge that point because I don't know, I feel like in a way, part of what the Watchmen uncovers is like, you know, this white supremacy isn't on the edge of society. It isn't the creepy, lonely man that you point your finger at. It's the chief of police. You know, oh, it's his family. It's his, yeah. It almost makes me think, 
you know, on the surface, we see Judd. Underneath, we see Curly. But the villain and the hero is switched, you know? And I think maybe an interesting parallel we could bring up in the time we have is um, the character of Looking Glass and how he relates to Judd and Curly. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's definitely worth it. I mean, I think something similar between Judd and Looking Glass, obviously, is that they're both like white Southern men. <laughs> Just to like put that <laughs> yeah. out there. Um, yep. And I, I feel like Looking Glass um, just by nature of being a little bit less, he's a little more low class, I suppose, than mm -hmm. when you look at Judd Crawford. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's a little bit more of like a suspiciousness, like right off the bat for him in terms yeah. of that, that plain class difference. Um, yeah, that's such a great point. Um, I feel like when the audience first meets Looking Glass and he has his own moments, we're, we are suspicious of him in a way due to the class signals that we're getting. Um, the, you know, if you watch Oklahoma, you're like, oh, Judd's creepy. He talks weird. He's a social outcast. You're kind of getting those same cues with the character of Looking Glass. Exactly. Uh, and I feel like it's yeah. worth saying that Looking Glass is, I mean, he's kind of directly correlated to Rorschach. Yeah. You know, just in terms of his coding. And we know that Rorschach is just like conservative, you know, kind of extremist. So mm -hmm. just creating this um, like comparison between them with their masks, this, this like, you know, the mirror and, and, and the Rorschach blot. And then the fact that I'm pretty sure he eats like beans out of a can yeah, at some point. He totally eats beans. But, but like, his Rorschach. internal world <laughs> yeah. is so much different than Rorschach's. Yeah. Or, I guess it, in a way, it was really similar trauma that they went through, but they, in yes. terms of like this like sexual aversion that they both yeah. have, but it goes in a completely different direction. Yes, I love that concept and that word you brought up of coding. And you're a, you're a film person, so you can totally dive more into this, but it almost feels like, you know, uh, looking glass immediately we code him as a judd we code him as a creepy bad guy and with judd crawford police chief we code him as a curly we code him as the the hero and with both characters we're like something's not right you know <laughs> i fully i fully agree i think it's so cool you can use second um Something that I came across in my research about Judd Fry is how in some ways he's considered this quote unquote like racialized other. Um, like obviously mm. he's like a white character in the in this in this play, but he's been seen to embody like characteristics that align him with racist thinking toward mostly black men, you know, uh, mm. to quote this fiercely individualistic primitively sexual and lawless presence is an obstacle to the white utopian vision of love, marriage, and statehood in the, that Oklahoma promotes. Um, wow. Yeah, and then if you just like look at the way that he's usually played, you know, he, he's dirty. Um, mm. You know, he, there's like aggressive and physical and he takes advantage of Lori. Um, mm. He sexually assaults her. Yeah. And that's like that kind of cliche with like, oh, black men are they're just going to try and take advantage <laughs> i'm pretty sure yeah. 12 to 21 
like it was inspired by this lie that that a, a black man was, took advantage of a, of a white woman in an elevator um mm-hmm. so yeah it's just it's a little sad <laughs> no absolutely this even with you know what I mean even with the role of Judd being played by a white man like even if you were to see Oklahoma all white cast and they play it completely straight white supremacy and white violence and colonialism it just permeates every aspect of that story absolutely just just to like those are the characteristics that we see as like evil but they're also like the stereotypes like the horrible stereotypes that we associate with a a minority is just like it's everywhere in this in this play Um, yeah yeah it's like staring you in the face and yet it's this all-american it's just like the character of judd crawford he's staring us in the face and yet there's still a part of us that's like well i feel like i should trust you (laughs) you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i mean like there's just there's just so many connections to whiteness and like white supremacy that you can make between uh oklahoma and watchmen um i think another question is um is vietnam the new oklahoma (laughs) you know yes i argue yes i'm putting my flag in the sand i'm saying yes Vietnam is like that new frontier in the Watchmen world. So yeah, Oklahoma is, is kind of pretty similar there. Um, mm-hmm. as I feel like it ends with them be- just becoming a state. Yeah. Uh, there's even a point in one of the episodes where Angela's grandmother, they're both sitting in a, in a restaurant in, in Vietnam. I think she literally says to Angela, you know, your father wanted a piece of the brand new state. And um, I think unlike the musical Oklahoma, we see the complications of that, of that um, colonialism and that taking over and, you know, we won, so you're mine now. We, uh, in the musical Oklahoma, there's no mention of indigenous people. Like the violence, we don't see it. We know it happened and we know it's there, but we don't see it. I think the Watchmen series, I think does a good job complicating that out of sightness. Right, with the, the suicide bombing, especially. I mean, that's the most obvious kind of moment yeah. where we see the, the natives being like, hey, no, <laughs> push back. Uh, yeah. We don't like this. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I mean, cr- Easy. I, I think it's interesting because Oklahoma, as we said, like was based on the uh, on Green Grow the Lilac, Green Grow the mm-hmm. Lilacs, excuse me, um, and he was Native American. Uh, I, I haven't read the the play, but I wonder if there was there were more allusions in his version to, you know, the end of the Trail of Tears. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... I, I'd scoped out the text a little bit, but I'm by no means an expert that still the narrative is centered around whiteness and still the narrative is centered about around these two lovers, these white lovers that represent this white utopian America. It, 
you know what I mean? I think if it was any other story, it would have been, it wouldn't have been told on stage. And it's just such a, it's just such a testament to white supremacy pervading all parts of culture and all parts of what narratives we can see. And I that's think, it, sorry. <laughs> no, I, you know what I mean? And like the watchman takes that and is like, well, here's some new narratives. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a fantastic point. And I think it opens up for the question, does Watchmen succeed or Oklahoma failed? Um, Oof. Like it does own up to Tulsa 21. Um, Mm-hmm. that it, it's the opening scene um it talks about red like re, uh, redations you know which are mm-hmm. clearly like reparations um and it has like this kind of uh realistic i don't know uh like, like yeah. in the perfect world reparations would happen and everyone would be happy but like in the watchman world and what i think would probably happen in our world is like there are going to be angry people. <laughs> if yeah. there's going to be angry people, no matter what, like this won't fix it. I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but like there's going to be a group of people like the Seventh Cavalry or racist cavalry. white people being like, Rich. no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just going to cause tension with those people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I yeah. mean, it does own up to Tulsa 21. It shows that. And I think that it shows with Judd um, that, you know, the, the white man that you think you can trust is, you know, more often than not, are, <laughs> you know, like you yeah. might be hiding yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, I love that question you bring up. And I love this, this idea that the Watchmen is somehow this new, this new resurrection of, of this story of Oklahoma and this story of America that we have in our head. And that, you know, the musical Oklahoma kind of ignores all the violence and the Watchmen really, I mean, the reaction to reparations, violence, Tulsa, violence, Vietnam, violence. And they're all instances of incredibly racialized white supremacist violence. The same violence that Oklahoma is ignoring. Absolutely. It's just like, oh, such, there's just so much there. So I, I do think that they could have had more focus on Vietnamese characters um, or indigenous characters um, in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. But, you know, I, I think that the, the feminist theory group is going to talk more about lady true specifically yes and and her mother Mm -hmm. um and then i think the other question is if just having judd as be this as this like face of the seventh calvary and the police like is that good enough is that accurate enough um Mm -hmm. you know because he's like revealed and it's like oh my god no he's he's like the police chief but i think you know, these things happen at much lower levels too. Um, mm. And he's the only person that we see like taking off qu- the quote unquote mask or putting on, the, you know, the, the hood, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But it's more of a culture in, in our police system. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know, when we discussed this a little bit beforehand, 
we, we, we were thinking about the image of the Hydra and you have this big scary head that you chop off, but you know, in the police force, there's tons of people that promoted Chud to that level. It's not like, here's the big racist, scary bad guy, and now he's gone. It's a pervasive white supremacist culture that justifies these men and encourages these men and rewards, rewards whiteness and rewards white violence and white supremacy. It just, it started making me think about the police and Will Reeves' like backstory that we get. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it does a little bit better of a job to show like, oh, there's like groups of people who are just regular policemen. And you know, the mm -hmm. other, the one other black policeman that we meet, he's like, hey, watch out for the Cyclops. Um, yeah. It, uh, so, the, so the fact that it's like kind of widely known, like in the police force that like there's this group of people that are like a part of them. And then we lose that though, when we get to like the 21st century um, mm. representation of the police. It, I don't know if maybe, I don't know if they're gonna do a second season. Uh, if, if they do, then maybe they'll talk more about, you know, they did cut off the head. So maybe there are several more heads still in the police force that Angela yeah. maybe have to deal with. Um, I don't know. I think that brings me to this question that I've personally been looking at with the final episode. Um, so, you know, they kind of <laughs> uh, more or less narrative wise, I'm going to oversimplify some things. They get all the white supremacists, they get all the seventh cavalry in a room and then they blow up the room. Right. And yeah. then, Oh, what a beautiful morning starts playing as Angela and her children escape from the theater and they go home and Oh, what a beautiful morning is like the, Oklahoma song, right? That's yeah, yeah. playing while she's ushering her children through these blood-soaked streets, like just these images of, of like death and violence. And there's something so cyclical and beautiful, I mean, and horrible about that because Oklahoma the musical starts with, oh, what a beautiful morning. Curly's singing to the land what happened right before oh what a beautiful morning a massacre you know what i mean mm -hmm. like the death of everyone that was there but we don't see violence in that scene but with angela we do and i don't know i'm just trying to wrap my head around that parallel and that comparison that i think that the show is making i don't know i don't know what i think about it I feel like the Oklahoma is like, oh, what a beautiful morning. And, and Watchmen's like, oh, what a beautiful morning. You know, like it's kind <laughs> of a sarcastic, yeah. you know, turning of the phrase. Um, like mm -hmm. there's this, there's this um, moment in the first episode where Judd says to the, to the wife of the, the, co the cop who was shot, um, he's like, oh, I know, F me and the horse I rode in on. And it's like, mm -hmm. You're taking a phrase and you're turning it on its head. I mean, obviously he's using it in a way that like, if you think about it, you know, maybe it's a little bit mocking. And if you complete the phrase, like uh, F you and the horse you rode in on and the cavalry behind you. Cavalry Ooh, behind you. I didn't That's, know that. Yeah, I, 
it just came to me. I know I was like spouting off like random, <laughs> like oh allusions in the first episode, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's another one. But I think that the show itself is just twisting what we know. Yeah. And so to have that kind of, and that's a very Watchmen thing. Like the, the, the comics are very gritty. Yes. Like, they're very like it's dark and I think that they're taking this beloved song that's like oh this everything's great everything's gonna be okay it's not Watson is saying oh it's absolutely not um yeah we do that with like superheroes too you know like yeah like uh we think about Batman and Superman it's like oh these are neat people but Watchmen makes it real like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what an actual real life superhero would would be um mm-hmm. and I think yeah. the same thing with Oklahoma that's such a great point they take this this very simple nostalgia and this very simple you know cultural landmark that you know a lot of Americans have and they take it and they go have you thought about have you thought this through you know what I mean like have you considered why we love this so much and like how much of that just comes from violence and white supremacy like they really you're right you're so right you mentioned the the scene where all the the cyclops members kind of get exploded obviously by a lady true (laughs) it it reminds me in in Oklahoma at the end when Judd is, he's fallen on his knife or however the play mm-hmm. ends it um and they have this little like trial scene yeah yeah and they're it, all in the, they're all in the room together it's not it's not much of a trial scene it's yes it's, yeah in the movie specifically the 1955 version um they're just like oh did the uh, like what happened <laughs> and Curly's mm-hmm. like I just do it and they're like okay you're good to go go on your honeymoon yeah. like it's not that's not justice that's not like mm-hmm. I mean obviously Judd was the bad guy he attacked them very clear but you know it kind of reminds me of that like that we know who the bad guy is and we just kill them and then everything like oh that's that feels much better like ah oh, you can go off mm-hmm. and do whatever you need to everything's supposed to be okay again yeah um and I love that you're bringing up this idea of justice and what we find to be cathartic because in Oklahoma the movie the audience is like yeah yeah get it over with we know he's bad and in the Watchmen I think one of the characters Lady True's beginning to read um uh, the the Will's like reasoning and one of the women in the front pews who I think is Judd's wife is like yeah yeah get it over with you're just gonna kill us is, is Watchmen trying to make like the white man the other in the way that I think Oklahoma kind of makes Judd the other implicitly with his portrayal and I don't know I've come to this kind of conclusion that I don't think the show is making white men to be this other figure but Rather, they're showing how some white men do so for themselves, you know? Oh, like that's so interesting. Tell me, tell me more. Just in that way that uh, 
like Wade, Wade, Wade Tillman, you know, the looking glass, he's a white Southern man, but he didn't, he didn't do that to himself. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's not a part of the cavalry. <laughs> cavalry um, he didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's like these men like Judd and Joe Keen, uh, who've made themselves out to be this other, they're like, oh, the white man, we're losing oh. place in society. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. This victim, this this self-victimization, even though they have all the power in the world, they exactly. other themselves to justify themselves. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's such a great point when that senator says, it's so hard to be a white man in America now. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah. So I think we need to come back and say, say again, why Oklahoma? Why does why Oklahoma? Why does Watchmen use Oklahoma? Um, I think we've we've covered many reasons. You know, Oklahoma is just pure whiteness. Um, just mm-hmm. uncovering that, uh, un- uncovering like the, you know, just the history of like Tulsa itself in Oklahoma. Yeah, and our our image of America, our image of our our own story and our own narrative, you know? Yeah, I think that Oklahoma and just America in general, when you consider Tulsa 21, like we've ignored history that didn't fit in our own kind of, oh, America's great narrative. And Mm -hmm. Watchmen kind of actively tries to expose those things. Yeah. I don't think that it, uh, Watchmen does it completely perfectly. Um, just in, mm-hmm. again, in terms of, you know, how Judd and just being the police chief being exposed, like, is that enough to show like the, the workplace of white supremacy, like that, that culture in the police force? But, you mm-hmm. know, they're trying, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is an imperfect expose, but gosh, you know what I mean? the narrative has been complicated and I think it was done so very effectively is there more to be done absolutely is there things in the show that I would have maybe made a different decision with yes Um, but I think the Watchmen used Oklahoma very effectively to complicate our understanding of what we see as quote-unquote American culture I think that is a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> That's the concluding <laughs> sentence to my essay. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, do, thank you we... so much. I had such a great time chatting with you. Um, I feel like our, our conversation went from A to B to like Z to like <laughs> to G and then <laughs> to H to yeah. one. But you know, our way around. We really did. What an interesting discussion. Oklahoma and HBO's Watchmen are connected in so many ways. And I really love the point that Elizabeth and Legera made at the end. In Oklahoma, American identity is uncomplicatedly white and middle class. Judd, who is working class, is the villain. But in HBO's Watchmen, American identity is very complicated. Race and class and colonialism, racial violence, white supremacy, the wars in East Asia, Vietnam becoming a new state, everything is connected. But Oklahoma glosses over 
Watchmen digs into and gets really deep. In Watchmen, the story of American identity is a story of violence against Black and Asian and Native American people. But it is also a story about racial diversity and imperfect progress. I agree. It's fascinating. To all of our listeners, thanks for being here today. To listen to the next episode, check our location here on Anchor, as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our class website at lps.library.cmu.edu slash WP slash Watchmen. See you next time on Tartan's Watch the Watchmen. Thank you.